This week on Business Brief, we'll check in on the growth of cannabis-focused festivals in Missouri since the state legalized recreational marijuana. We'll also hear from a bookstore owner in St. Louis who has built a community through Black literature. Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. My name is Siggy Reese, and I'm joined by my co-host, Teddy Mayorka. Teddy, how are you doing this week? Siggy, I am doing well. It's been uh, been a crazy week here in Missouri. Lots of business news, as well as the Aurora Borealis making a, a brief and subtle appearance in the night sky here in Midmo. But I'm, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Were you actually able to see those northern lights? Because I wasn't, but I did see some people who were, and it looked pretty cool. You know, couldn't see them with my eyes, really, but a long exposure on my camera did wonders. So, you know, my phone saw it, but not me. But anyway. (laughs) It's close enough. (laughs) Are you ready to get into this week's headlines? Yes, let's do it. Beginning in July, Missourians will be able to apply for licenses to operate marijuana microbusinesses. The licenses are part of the amendment voters approved in November to legalize recreational marijuana in Missouri. The state requires microbusiness owners to have a net worth under $250,000, an income that is less than 250% of the federal poverty level, or a registered disability related to military service. The state will issue six microbusiness licenses in each of Missouri's eight congressional districts. Licenses are expected to be awarded in October. The U.S. economy grew at an annual rate of 1.1 percent in the first quarter this year, according to the official federal estimate of gross domestic product released Thursday. This estimate comes after a tumultuous first quarter with the failure of two large banks and continued high inflation. According to the report, the slower GDP growth this quarter is mostly due to decreases in private inventory investment. The Missouri Senate approved a $50 billion budget plan Wednesday after heated debate among Republicans regarding diversity initiatives. The infighting centered around whether to include language that would limit state spending on diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. The approved budget is similar to the one approved by the Senate Appropriations Committee last week. It includes funds for the expansion of Interstate 70, $300 million for a new psychiatric hospital in Kansas City, and over $460 million to raise the base rate for caretakers of people with intellectual disabilities. Clayton-based health insurance firm Centene lost an appeal this week of the Department of Defense's decision to award over $65 billion to multiple Blue Cross Blue Shield plans. These plans manage health insurance provided to active duty members. The Defense Health Agency announced this award in December, and a subsidiary of Centene filed a protest in mid-January. The University of Missouri is building a bigger nuclear research reactor in Columbia. The reactor will help with cancer-fighting research and medical isotope production, the university said. MU has about $20 million in federal funds secured for the project so far, but the total construction cost is expected to be $1 billion. Business Brief will continue after this short ad break. Hi, this is Fred Perry, host of the CEO Roundtable. Join Mid-Missouri's most successful businesses on Wednesday, May 3rd, as we gather for the Show Me LeaderCast event, in Columbia at Woodcrest Auditorium. This annual tradition brings together the world's leading authorities on leadership for a simulcast event with lots of local fun, education, and entertainment. This year, we'll hear from Dr. Andy Stanley, Dr. Henry Cloud, plus six other great speakers. General admission and group ticket pricing is now available at showmeleadercast.com. 
next story is about an entrepreneur in St. Louis who has built a community through her bookstore focused on black voices. Very interesting. So what's the bookstore? It's called the Nora Bookshop. Imani Wentz opened the store last year as a space to celebrate and uplift black authors, literature, and small businesses. She was able to open the shop through more than $17,000 in donations she received through crowdfunding platform GoFundMe. Super cool. I'm curious to hear her perspective, especially because books have been something of a hot topic in the Missouri legislature recently. Yeah, that's correct. Missouri Business Alert reporter Skylar Rossi talked to Wins about her experience building the shop, as well as the impact of a recent law that bans certain book titles from school libraries in the state. Here's part of that conversation. So to start, can you tell me about the Noir Bookshop? The Noir Bookshop is a concept bookstore dedicated to the Black experience. We sell both new and used copies of Black and Brown authored literature, as well as products um, made by entrepreneurs in both St. Louis, excuse me, Black entrepreneurs in both St. Louis and across the country and sometimes around the world. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience uh, starting a business in St. Louis? What did that process look like for you? It included a lot of learning. Um, I, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, but I never really thought about having a business myself. And it's kind of popular now for people to say, start your business, start your business, work for yourself. But a lot of people don't really know what that looks like. And even now, with running a business and having my own, I don't see it as working for myself because the core of my business is for the people. And so I see it as me working for the community me working for the people and me just owning a store. Um, But I think my experience is just little to none. And I think what really helped me is just my natural curiosity and my ability to research and look up things that I wanna know and watching videos and talking to people who have done it. Can you tell me what the community reaction has been to the Noir Bookshop? So the community has been receptive to it from the very beginning, from local business owners to um, people who were excited about the possibility of a bookstore, even if they had no idea when it would happen or if it would truly happen, but just being along for the ride. But I think the true um, showing of people caring was that when I raised the, when I started to go fund me, someone anonymously donated $10,000 to it. And that was, that made me realize that someone who I didn't know was paying attention and saying, that's a great idea. And I would love to help with that. And they didn't want anything out of it. They just gave the money. And so the community has been a part of it every step of the way. The store is supposed to mimic my grandparents' home, the, the house that my dad grew up, grew up in. And so it has a very homey, cozy feeling. People always comment on how the store smells, how it feels, the lighting. And typically if someone comes to the store to speak to me or they start talking to me, they'll stay like a minimum of two hours. And so it's really meant to be a place where people feel comfortable, but also a place where they can stay and feel seen and feel um, safe and protected. And so the fact that people have come from Chicago or they've come from Kansas City, they've come from other places where they've heard about the store um, is just very interesting to feel as a first-time business owner and entrepreneur because these were ideas that I had written in my journal sitting in my bed a year and a half ago. Why is representation important? 
historically black literature and black stories have been underappreciated unless it's selling pain and trauma. And there are so many stories and ideas and thoughts of black writers both, both now and past that still needs to be circulated. Those ideas still need to be pushed. Toni Morrison has been deceased since what, 20, 2019. Um, and she wrote the bluest eye years ago and to this day they still want to ban her books in schools and in prisons and things like that speaking of the the recent law that bans certain books in in school libraries um what has been the response in your local community in the book community yeah so i know in st louis as a whole um especially because wentzville which is about 40 minutes away from my store um they ban the bluest eyes specifically. Um, the community doesn't like it. And I've, I've been to Half Price Books and seen so many copies of it on the shelves. Um, but then you have stores like I See Me Bookstore or uh, Left Bank Books who are giving out free copies of the bluest eye to anybody who wants it because it's like, no, we're pushing back against it. Thank you again for taking the time. It was really great to get your perspectives. Thank you so much. So yeet, lots of Missourians were in a celebratory mood last week. Celebrating what exactly? Tax Day? Well, maybe, but last week was also April 20th, or 420, an annual celebration embraced by cannabis enthusiasts. Oh, right. So what did that look like in Missouri this year? Well, now that recreational marijuana is legal in Missouri, the state was lit up, if you will, with celebrations as festivals and events around 420 are becoming big business opportunities and drawing large crowds. Missouri Business Alert reporter Camila Fowler has that story. The legalization of recreational marijuana in Missouri expanded 420 celebrations in the state this year. Now that anyone over the age of 21 can purchase marijuana, Missouri event organizers are seeing more buzz. In Columbia, 420-ish CannaFest and the Mid-Mo Canna Expo were among many festivals across the state. Around 400 people attended the third annual 420-ish CannaFest on Saturday, hosted by hydroponics equipment supplier Grow Depot. Owner Olivia Sobelman organized the event at Grow Depot's Columbia location. CannaFest is great. It's almost a customer appreciation, but it just gives everybody an excuse to be outside for the first time in the spring and hang out with each other. In April 2020, Sobelman co-founded the event with her husband, Tyler Sobelman. The event began the same year that Grow Depot opened its Columbia location. We're both from Colorado and uh, California and all these places where pot's been legal for a very long time and way more fun. So we're used to those. We're used to the events, we're used to the festivals, and we come back here and uh, nobody's doing them. Now more people are and it's amazing, but there just wasn't a big sense of like, public community. The third annual Mid-Mocana Expo took place on April 20th. Kristen Borland, a co-owner of the event, says the legalization of marijuana has opened the festival to more people. Since it's recreational, everybody can come. Last year it was medical card only. The organizers of Mid-Mocana Expo have upsized the location of the event each year. This year, the event took place at Lakeside Ashland in South Columbia. First year was in the parking lot at our shop. The second year was at Knights of Columbus. We outgrew that. Now we're outgrowing this place. Bethany Moore of the National Cannabis Industry Association says that 420 events tend to gain popularity as states legalize marijuana. 420 has been a cultural point 
for consumers and cannabis enthusiasts to gather together and celebrate the plant. Any state that legalizes and essentially creates a new cannabis market is going to see a similar wave of excitement with events popping up and uh, you know cannabis companies wanting to establish themselves as a community leader. For Missouri Business Alert, this is Camila Fowler. now time for us to get into our words of the week. Teddy, what's your word this week? Siggy, this week I have a phrase on the clock. Okay, are you referring to the NFL draft? Yes, you are correct. The draft is taking place in Kansas City on the day we are recording this episode. The draft will run through Saturday and is anticipated to bring in around 200 to 300,000 attendees. Wow, that's quite a lot of people flocking to Missouri. How is the city prepared for the big event? Well, Everything seems to be bigger than usual. The stage constructed in front of Union Station is the biggest the NFL has ever built. And the entire footprint of the draft will be around the size of a shopping mall at just over 3 million square feet. Restaurants are preparing to be busier than usual, and around 36,000 hotel rooms in the city are estimated to be filled. Those are some big numbers. What will be the financial impact on KC? Right now, it's expected that the draft will have around a $125 million economic impact for Kansas City. That's all I've got this week. What's your word, Siggy? My word this week is jitters. Okay, and what kind of jitters are we talking about? Well, these aren't the kinds of jitters you get after drinking a lot of coffee. Investors are worried about the banking sector again. After the Silicon Valley and Signature Bank collapsed last month, First Republic's bank shares are sliding. Shares in the San Francisco bank lost nearly two-thirds of their value between market close Monday and Wednesday. Trading in shares has been stopped multiple times this week due to the instability of the shares. Got it. So what has First Republic done to ease this pain? First Republic has gotten help from other large banks, which deposited $30 billion in uninsured deposits. The bank also plans on selling unprofitable assets and laying off much of its workforce. Okay, and so what does this signal for Missouri banks? Well, we did some reporting on this last month after the two bank collapses. Experts said most Missouri banks were relatively isolated from the factors that caused the Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank to fail. Experts said most Missouri banks were relatively isolated from the factors that caused Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank to fail, but we're continuing to keep an eye on the banking sector. For a closing thought, here's Imani Wentz again on the value of representation. In a country like the one that we live in, where historically there is racism and prejudice in the history of slavery and all of those things that followed, it's important to read these stories and celebrate these stories because they still speak to how how we see things today. Well, that is all for this week. Thank you to the M33 Project for providing music for this episode. For my co-host, Teddy Mallorca, editors Emma Boyle, Elena Fu, Nick Knoll, Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacey, I'm Siggy Reese, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and